Talkword, Cringeworthy Tales. And now, your host, Weekly Humorist, Editor-in-Chief, Marty Dundix. Hi, and welcome to Talkword. I'm Marty Dundix, Editor-in-Chief of Weekly Humorist Magazine, and this is Talkword, a fun little podcast where professionally funny people come to tell awkward and cringeworthy stories. And I'm super excited for uh, my guest today. Uh, I wanted to have her on the show for ever, and it took me losing my podcast studio, losing my office, uh, New York being shut down and no live events happening, me having to rebuild into a weekly humorous video bunker, and now we have Emily Flake on the show, and I'm so happy to have Emily Flake. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It only took an apocalypse. I know, really. We have uh, we have so many things to talk about, and... Um, You've had such a fun uh, career. You're a cartoonist, you're a writer, you're a performer, stand-up comic, um, educator. Uh, you've, you do a lot in the humor space and in the organizational spaces. Um, I was talking about you to uh, Caitlin Kunkel the other day, and it was, it was just, we were talking about the project that we're going to discuss a bit more on the, on the Kickstarter. Just like, on, on top of being just a comedic talent, you're very good at like management and business and being able to like pull a lot of things together um not tons of of comedy talent are that good at also the administrative side of these things i feel like that is a uh, um a misperception <laughs> <laughs> that i am good at any of that stuff um Basically, if you could see my like the rest of my workspace right now, you would see that I am um, just the most disgusting of slobs. But I do when I have an idea that might that I think might like work, I like to move on it um, quick more quickly than might even be a necessarily a good idea. <laughs> um, so yeah, I definitely well, I was gonna say like I am definitely not good at organizing things, but you know I. I also, you know, booked and produced two shows before all this happened. Um, and, uh, you know, like two, like regular shows. And I guess, um, you know, putting this Kickstarter together required like at least like a suspension of my, of disbelief in my own yeah. ability to pull something together. Uh, what I'm, this is a long winded way of me saying like, I appreciate the compliment, uh, but I am, I am a mess. The amount of live shows, I mean... So all the live comedy stuff that was indoors, there's a lot of fun outdoor comedy stuff happening in New York right now. Uh, people are doing comedy on rooftops and in parks and things. But the amount of shows that people, yourself, you were booking tons of shows. I was booking a monthly show. That, when when all that stopped and you had some time, a break from having to do that, it's been interesting to see what has filled that space that you used for stressing out about getting a crowd, stressing out about booking talent, mm -hmm. stressing out about promoting and instead, people have fi found new projects to fill into those holes. Yeah. Uh, I'm you're finding... Gonna put, you're going to put something in your stress hole. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Like, I was like, I your have... Your stress hole cannot be empty at any time. I have too much time. I need to find something else that's going to crush me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> So I'm exactly. going to... I'm going to publish some books. And yeah. I'm going to do some TV development that's going to be way too, way too much work and way harder than I thought it was going to be. And you decided that you were going to start a Kickstarter that's going to uh, buy property and give space for uh, artists to have a uh, residency program. Mm -hmm. um, and this is so fun. Uh, this is the St. Nell's. 
and I had it uh, up on the computer to read through all kinds of things. But tell us about your project. How did you come up with this idea? St. Nell's Humor Writing Residency. Um, uh, so basically, I, you know, like, I feel like everybody, especially in New York, kind of has this dream of like owning some property and turning it into like a writer's or artist residency of some kind. Um, I feel like it's like it's you either want to do that or you want to have goats. Um, and I admire <laughs> goats, but don't really care to take out, like look after them. Um, so that's kind of been in the back of my mind as I like, wouldn't that be nice to do someday? Um, and then this summer, we ended up spending a lot of time in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, because it was um, an easy enough drive. There was a hotel that was affordable and had an outdoor pool and their COVID numbers were good. So um, we spent some time out there and like, you know, looking around at the property, I'm like, this is somewhere where that could actually happen. You know, the, the property is reasonably priced. It is, it, it's a, it's like a very small city. So it seems, it feels like engaging and interesting in a way that like, personally, I am not super into the woods. So I, like, it's never, I'm never like, I want to run away to the woods to work. I'm like, I want to go to just somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> but a place that's like still a place. And so basically, you know, once, um, you know, I was kind of talking this over with my husband and I'm like, oh God, you know, I wish this would be, you know, like basically like, you know, like nobody says this five times a day, but like, I wish we were rich. <laughs> I wish we could just do this. He's like, well, why don't you just like, what, maybe start a Kickstarter. I'm like, oh, that is not a bad idea. So um, yeah, long story short, I was like, I'm going to pull this together. And I'm, and what made this happen quickly is that um, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming up. A lot of stuff is going on in the world. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I need to get this going like, you know, now, um, so that, um, hopefully we pull it together before the world ends and maybe the world won't end and we'll have like a nicer world to make fun of. That's the hope. And the property, um, would have two people, two, um, uh, of female identifying writers mm -hmm. uh, at a time, and they could have like it was it two weeks at a time. They would get to just go and do projects and be creative. Yeah, so the thinking is that we will do it sort of like a monthly cycle kind of thing because it's ladies now. Um, and yes, I should make the point that this is a residency for for female identifying uh, women, like non-binary, et cetera. Basically, everything but uh, but you people, Marty. Um, I know I don't get to go. It's going to be there's eventually going to be some situation. It's going to be like a bosom buddy situation where someone tries to sneak in, right. And they get exposed. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, Marty. somebody's going to start like the men's rights <laughs> activist humor writing like residency, and it's going to be. It's going to be terrible. Um, <laughs> but uh, so basically, you know, because we don't, we, you know, we live in Brooklyn, we don't live in Williamsport. The thinking is, you know, I'll, we'll start a new, you know, a new residency every month. So the residents, and I think two, possibly three people in there is a good mix of like, everybody will have like their own little bit of space, but they won't be totally lonely. Um, and so they can stay for two weeks, three weeks, basically as long as they want within the month, as long as, you know, there's like a five day window for me to kind of reset the house for the next thing. Right. Um, so the plan as it stands right now is, you know, if this goes through, get it together to do sort of like a pilot run with, um, with like invited people and then open it up in the fall for like an application process. 
Um, so our plan as it stands right now is not to charge for the residency, but to charge like to apply, like have like an application fee that helps us cover yeah. the nut on the house. Um, our goal is just not to hemorrhage money, basically. Right. Isn't that interesting uh, that this is a wonderful plan? And the funny thing about art, art people that talk about making something, it's always mm-hmm. like, I just want to break even. <laughs> I just don't want to yeah. lose tons of money doing this thing I want to do. Yeah. And other, you know, boring financial type people are always they're always making all this money. And then there's creative, funny people who are like, I just don't want to lose a ton of money. <laughs> and that's all right, I want. Right. Where you know, you're like, I mean, I'm not like I'm not some asshole who wants to make a living or anything like no, no, that. No, 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 no. Yeah. I just don't yeah, want to lose I just everything. Want to, like, not be in debt. That's all. <laughs> Or just not a ton of debt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not an insurmountable, unserviceable we, debt. We're okay with like this kind of debt where we don't have yeah, to think right. about it all the time and it's down the road and who knows what's going to happen. So am right. I ever going to have to really pay it? Um, right. Yeah. Boy, that's basically my debt philosophy. Yeah. Have you met my student loan? <laughs> I'm um, 43, by the way. <laughs> So you have a little bit of time left on this Kickstarter and using Kickstarter is a great, I mean, it lets you get, it lets you appeal to people and, and kind of, uh, get small donations that, that make a huge difference. And then they, people get something in return. That's nice. They get rewards. I'm getting a portrait, which I have, I'm afraid everybody has bothered you and gotten the portrait and you're going to have to paint so many of our ugly faces. (laughs) It is my pleasure to paint all of your hideous faces. Um, no, I mean, I, I'm i really happy that people like responded to that tier because it's like, I feel like that's, you know, that's at the $100 thing. It, that's not like no money, but yeah. it's not like, oh, shit, I can't, you know? Yeah. Um, and that feels like something that like will be enjoyable for me to do and hopefully enjoyable for people to have. And, you know, I mean, I'm not painting oil like, giant oil paintings on it yeah i mean i'm basically just making a small portrait for everybody um but um oh and when i say portrait i mean i will be drawing a circle with two eyes (laughs) under it so yeah strap in good enough i'll take it yeah um and then you're also uh well also you're an author and i have the book that you that came out uh this past uh season uh, Right. right here this is um that was awkward. The art and etiquette of the awkward hug by Emily Blake, and this was a fun event. I remember I went to this book event at uh, Books or Magic, mm-hmm. I believe this was the book event, and I got a bingo card about awkward hug bingo. Yeah. And uh, now anything, any any hug would be awkward and illegal in our current times. <laughs> that book, no is touching. Such a relic <laughs> of the of. Of the before times. It's it is. Really, it's so before times. It's so God, much touching. It really makes me sad. I really, really hope we get back to where hugs can be awkward and not potentially yes. we again. Can, we can yearn for the awkward touching that there used to yeah. be. Yeah, I am not. I'm a very like physically affectionate person. This whole this whole jam is not great for me. No. Terrible. <laughs> so I'm I, sure it's wonderful for everybody else. I but. walked out of this. I, I, I'm very good at the masks. I'm very obsessed with all of it. And I'm constantly doing the hand sanitizer and I have it always with me. And I was running in and out of the apartment the other uh, over the weekend. And I realized as I crossed the street and almost went to the computer shop to pick up my computer that I wasn't wearing a mask. And Whoa, the panic yeah. you feel like when you forget for one second, you just walk outside and you're like, mm-hmm. <gasps> it's like you're not wearing pants. 
Totally. You're, you're like, you oh my god, a nuclear. And I like ran home. I was like, yeah. no, no, it's it's real. Yeah, it is. Um, have you had uh, maskless dreams yet? Where you're like, oh god, I forgot. Like, wh- I haven't you- had the maskless dreams yet. Man. I have dreams where like I'm in a crowd and nobody's wearing a mask and I'm not. I'm like, oh, geez, this feel and that feels very weird, you know. And I'm not like I consider myself to be a like I, like I'm taking reasonable reasonable precautions. Like you know, I I wear a mask and I hand sanitize. But I'm not like I'm not going to see anybody even outside, even just you know what I mean. I'm yeah. not like in a bunker here, um, but it really seeps into you're thinking in a way that like, even when I watch TV now, I'm like, Oh, he's going outside, but he's, I can see his face. Yeah. Or if you're watching an old show or anything, that's not, that's before times, it's like, yeah. Oh, they're too close. Oh, mm-hmm. he shouldn't go. Look at all those people eating inside. Yeah. I know. Uncomfortable. Again, I hate that so much. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things in the world to do is be in like a venue where people are laughing or singing or somehow mushed together breathing <laughs> um and uh I, I i have to believe that we'll get back to that someday because it's very depressing to think that that's never going to be a thing again it'll be a thing i do keep forgetting about it though like i think i'm so like i stay home all the time anyway so like right. i was always staying home by myself and um I haven't had the news on, so I haven't been reminded of how terrible things are at, on like a minute by minute basis anymore. Mm. So I keep falling into, like I keep forgetting and then remembering and then being sad. Like I'm right. like, oh, that's right. Everything's terrible. For like a second, yeah. I completely forgot that everything was terrible, but it is oh, terrible. If I ever forget, my daughter will remind me very quickly. <laughs> um, but I fell down um, this YouTube rabbit hole watching uh, old replacements shows Um and like it just it felt like i was watching some kind of like transgressive new kind of pornography just like watching these bodies mash together and like and like writhe and jump on each other and it was like ooh, it's almost titillating (laughs) it's like the new porn it's just like people like skin touching or like seeing someone's face you're like whoa and if it happens to involve a young paul westerberg I'll take it. Um, you do a lot of stuff for the New Yorker. Um, mm-hmm. you 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 write text comedy, but then you do a lot of illustrative comedy. Um, sometimes at the same time. A lot of it seems to me, after meeting you, because I always appreciated your work, and then I met you, and I know you as a person now. Is a lot of your stuff autobiographical? Like, uh, does a lot of the stuff happen to you, and or happens to your your family, your daughter, your husband? And then you're using them a lot as characters in your in your cartoons. Um, yeah, for sure. Especially like the longer form stuff. Like the um, I have sort of like an intermittent uh, mother like parenting comic that I do for the for the New Yorker, and that's like directly from from my life. Um, you know, a lot of the gag stuff comes. From, you know, very few of it ha- like few. Sorry, very few of the gags that I submit have like a direct correlation with something that happened in my life but they'll definitely be like reflective of something that i've been thinking about or doing um the satire pieces i just kind of draw i think from the ether of absurdity um but then like the sort of more serious essay stuff is definitely more autobiographical a lot of times i am unaware of a lot of things that are happening in the world because i kind of live in my own little bubble 
and I find out about news items based on what people submit to Weekly Humorist. Right. So I'll be like, I don't understand why this is funny, but I'm sure it is funny. And then I'll have to go and look it up. And I'm like, this is hilarious. Right. And so a ton of stuff like uh, stuff that, that you do is always so funny. And it's sometimes it's based on something that just happened or something mm-hmm. that's on Netflix or something that, you know, everyone watched but me. And I always will take it, and then I'll go and watch the thing after I've already posted it. I'm like, I'm sure this is funny. It's right. Emily. Emily Flake is always funny. So I put up the- One uh, of these days, that's going to trip you up, and you'll realize I'm a monster. But I put up the octopus uh, teacher piece mm. uh, last night, and right. I still have no idea what the uh, Netflix show is about the octopus teacher. You know, um, if you have an hour and a half and you want to watch a South African man fall in love with an octopus, um, you know, it, it got a lot of like everybody I know was like, oh, my God, that was like the most heartwarming, like touching thing ever. And I watched it. I was like, this really is giving me the creeps, yeah. to be honest, like, you know, because not even because it's like, um, you know, a friend, a beautiful friendship between a human and, and an octopus that's fine and obviously this man really draws a lot of like his strength and healing from nature also fine but i just got this vibe of this this guy who needed a female to heal him and it may as well be a nice girl like you eight legs so yeah it was um i don't know i I might just be the cynical monster who can look at a a beautiful story and be like i don't know bullshit that guy that yeah, guy's fucking that, that octopus. I I, I, I've been that octopus. <laughs> well, because there's a lot of, I mean, there's another uh, documentary about the, remember that, that man and the bear? Yeah. And it was like, yeah. Ooh, it was like yeah, do not, be... do not love the bear or whatever. And right. the, the guy gets eaten by the bear. Like the bear kills him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so it's like um... these people sometimes have these fictitious relationships with these animals that they become yeah. obsessed with. And the animal's like, uh, I'm going to eat you, buddy. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that you're like cuddling with me, but at the end right. of the day, you're food. Once I get hungry, you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that would be a great double feature, though. The, <laughs> the bear movie and the octopus movie. Do not love the bear. Yeah. I looked into his eyes and all <laughs> I saw was horror and it's like, <laughs> oh, I wish I had that quote handy. <laughs> Um, what are you working on now? This the Kickstarter thing is going. We're promoting it. Everybody has to d- give something to it. There's tons of great rewards, so you're you're getting a lot out of this. So we have, I think, ten days left on on the Kickstarter. Ten days. Ten wow, days. That is big. Yeah. And you're oh. almost there. You need fifty. Yeah, you need fifty thousand dollars, and you have forty two. Yeah, like a touch more than forty two. So we're within we're within shouting distance. Um, and yeah, I mean, it feels like. Like I am cautiously optimistic at at this point that it'll 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 work. Do uh, have you reached out to celebrity friends to give it a tweet? Yeah, absolutely. Um, get those people to tweet it. Yeah. So um, yeah, I basically like have exploited whatever I could exploit <laughs> as shamelessly as possible. I mean, Good. like I asked, I asked everybody I knew who um, who. I thought might do it like to make, to either con- like contribute something as a reward or tweet it or, you know, um, I basically pulled every string I thought that I, I had. Got to um, get that. Got to get that Gondelman to retweet it. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> no, he's a, uh, he, I think his tier got bought actually. Like one of the tiers was uh, Josh Gondelman will call you and leave you a minute's worth of affirmations. Um, 
With oh, that's Bob nice. Kate. Maybe I'll right? trade. No, He's- I like my portrait, but he is very uplifting. He is. He truly is. And I mean, I honestly feel like it's that's worth it. it. Like that's that's an hour of a minute of Josh is like an hour of therapy. Yeah. So, yeah. He's so um, supportive. And uh, but oh, he's he's wonderful. I, I adore him. Um, and yeah, so I and I, you know, I'm like basically I'm like posting about it at least twice a day. And I was talking to I, like I have a friend who works for Kickstarter and has really helped me with this process she's like you know this is this is what you want this to look like etc and I was like you know I'm like I don't want to like you know I feel bad just like you know posting about it too and she's like no this is your job until until it's funded is to like be as obnoxious as possible <laughs> so I am doing what yeah. I can it looks great um the way that you illustrated uh the whole what is this tell me about it. I think that looks fantastic and it's very informative and it definitely it sounds like a wonderful thing to contribute to and it sounds like a like a beautiful place to have like a retreat mm-hmm. and um totally I look forward to to seeing what kind of uh, creativity comes out of it, it's gonna. Right. So what do you what do you have coming up? So you have uh, how many cartoons do you have in the process at any given day? Like, what are you working on right now for um, a right variety? Now I'm, um, I'm illustrating a book of haikus by comedians um, that Gabe from Littlefield is putting together. Oh, cool. Um, and you know, just regular New Yorker stuff, you know, just, um, sending in a batch every week or almost every week. Um, and what else am I working? I have, I have, I'm very behind on a, um, book, like a young adult book proposal. Um, and just, you know, various other, other projects that, that come in. Um, and yeah, just, you know, trying to, trying to, keep as many balls in the air as possible have you guys been doing because you can't go into the new yorker to do the in-person pitching or the visiting or that kind of thing are you guys zooming are you guys having a new yorker hangout no no, you just email in your batch which i mean honestly i did that most of the time anyway because i if i don't have to put on pants why would i put on pants yeah so yeah i mean that the that process hasn't changed a whole lot for me as it is uh and going in in person kind of like was less fun once they moved to the World Trade Center anyway, because it was, you know, when when it was in Times Square, people would go and then everybody would go to this, um, yeah. like, charmingly down at the heels French restaurant for lunch. And, it, you know, you could really make a whole day of it, but that kind of fell off once um, uh, once they moved to the tr- uh, World Trade Center. Yeah. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. Um, this is wonderful. Thank you so much. Do you have any... Um, so the live shows that you do do, I did mm-hmm. see that you were doing some on video, on remote. Yeah. So you uh, have uh, the show Nightmares. Yep. Um, I had a monthly show called Nightmares and like kind of a quarterly-ish um, parenting comedy showcase called Shit Show. So yeah, in the beginning of all of this, um, we did a couple Nightmares and a couple um, Shit Shows. And then over the summer, it just seemed like nobody wants to. <laughs> what like, are we doing? <laughs> you know, like, and, you know, doing those, it, it was fun. And I did a couple, like, I did a couple of Zoom stand-up shows, um, but it really, it, I really felt a couple different ways about it. Like, on one hand, they were fun and I enjoyed doing it and it was engaging and it kind of, you know, keeps 
you know, certain, certain aspects of your chops up a little bit. On the other hand, everybody's just so fucking sick of zoom and it's like it takes it out of you in ways that like i i always found being on stage even if i just like was eating shit i found it 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 energized me in some way that zoom kind of kind of doesn't sorry zoom i know i'm actually speaking through zoom right now and it can hear me it can hear you Um, so yeah and i just like the performance piece of what I do it is very precious to me and I miss it terribly, but it was, it was never like the main thrust of like how I made my living. Yeah. You know, so I was like, I just, I'm like better to redirect what I'm doing right now until I can kind of, until things get back to normal ish. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but you know, now that it's, once it gets colder, I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, maybe we'll fire up the shit show again. <laughs> I enjoyed the shit show. I went to see one at uh, Union Hall, and um, it was all all parents mm-hmm. telling wonderful. And I think I was the only person in the audience that was single with no children. And right. I was just laughing. Yeah. I was just laughing at everybody. I'm like, your lives, right. your lives we sound terrible. That night. <laughs> Stay and- free, man. <laughs> Yeah, it was like it was almost like a it was a show that was like therapy for people who were parents that uh, that have to you know that have to like laugh at the and then it was also like birth control for many of the people that didn't have exactly, children. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, wonderful. So, um, oh, tell me a little bit about Saint Nell. I was looking up the history of Saint Nell, who uh, mm-hmm. is the, uh, the the namesake of your project on the Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and uh, Saint Nell was the uh, mistress of king king charles too absolutely not a saint um no except to me um but yeah she was um, a comedic actress and a body lady um who was yeah banging the king um and uh, my favorite like anecdote about her life is um apparently she was like in a carriage on her way to the castle and there were peasants you know like throwing stuff at the carriage and yelling at her and one of them called her uh uh a catholic whore and she stuck her head out the window and she said dear sir you are mistaken i am the protestant whore <laughs> and i very much want to name the llc that we're forming for saint nell's protestant whore productions but now i'm like <laughs> mike that's gonna be like that means every time i sit down to sign a mortgage or sign in anything i'll just have to be like i'll have to straight facedly say the name of the company is protestant whore yeah so do I want to do that to myself? Mm. I don't know. Uh, jury's still out. We'll see. We'll see. Well, this has been wonderful, and I'm so excited for this Kickstarter. And if you're listening to this, please go to Kickstarter and look up uh, St. Nell's Humor Writing Residency and give it some money. We have uh, They only have a little bit more that they need to get to get to 50000 And the thing about Kickstarter is it's all or nothing. So you have to get to that goal to get the money. And I'm sure Emily Flake would be very happy if you chipped in and she had to draw a couple more portraits of your beautiful faces out there. I would be thrilled. So follow Emily at Emily Flake on Twitter. And is it E Flake Agogo on Instagram? Yes, it is. Very good. Um, thank you so much for being on Talkward today. It's been lovely speaking with you. Thank you, and likewise. Oh, thank you. And I'll see you. Uh, uh, do, uh, do you have any idea what our book club book is this month? 
Uh, I don't uh, remember. I have no idea. I've really fallen off on the book club stuff because I my brain doesn't work anymore. I keep on not reading them, but I go to the I go to the book club discussion just to like have a social life, and then uh, I just sort of read the Wikipedia, and everybody knows I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> You're just faking your way through the book club. I am, but I'm gonna read this one probably, and uh, and we'll see. Uh, well, God bless. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on the show. Emily Flake, everybody. Emily Flake. Yay. Yay. I'm going to push this thing, and then it's going to end the show. Thanks for listening to Talk Word. Please subscribe, follow us, and visit weeklyhumorist.com.